All right, so last week we started this, this uh, path, this process that we have in place for spiritual growth here at South Point. And if you remember, or if you weren't here, we looked at a passage in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus gives this little parable about the kingdom of God. And what he describes in it is he says the kingdom of God is kind of like a a small little seed that's planted in the ground. And it starts out really small, and you take this little seed, like a mustard seed, and you plant it in the ground. And as time goes by, and as that seed is watered, and it's in good soil, and it gets sunshine and all that, it begins to grow. And in that growth, ultimately what happens is it continues to grow until it gets to a spot that it's big enough to support branches. And it becomes, uh, you know, from a little sprout into a, a small plant and then into a bush and ultimately into a tree, if that's the way it's going. And this whole uh, system here that takes place, he says, is a, an illustration in the same way that the kingdom of God works. And it's the same thing that we see in our own spiritual lives. We first hear the seed of the word, and it's planted into our hearts. And as that, the water comes to that, and as experiences begin to nurture that and, and help that grow, we begin to grow spiritually. And the goal is that we would all come to a place of spiritual maturity, spiritual wholeness, where not only is it beneficial for our own lives, but we, like this, this uh, illustration that Jesus gave, we begin to have branches that can support and invite and shelter other people in it. All right? And so what you see is you see this image, this understanding of a mature spiritual life that not only benefits you and, and has a connection to God, it actually begins to benefit other people. That there's more um, to your spiritual life, which is exactly what we saw in the life of Jesus. Right? He grew and was on earth and walked around like a human being, fully God but fully man. And as he grew and as he matured spiritually, uh, he began to, well, ultimately he reached all of us even here today in that. All right? And we saw that the church is also like that. It's meant to be living and a growing thing like a tree. And we, the members of the church, are meant to be those that are growing spiritually and then contribute to the community as a whole. Now, when we talk about this, we're like, okay, I've got you here in church, and we're going to talk about church, and we're going to talk about the importance of church and how the church matters in the world. And when you look around at your friends or your neighbors, that might seem a little bit naive. You're like, okay, well, you're a pastor. That's what you think about. You think about church stuff. But I know the people I live around. I know the friends that I have. And I know the world that we live in. And this whole church thing is not really relevant to most people's lives. In fact, um, I read an article in The Atlantic this week called Why So Many Americans Have Stopped Going to Church. All right? And in this article, it quoted a statistic that says 40 million Americans have stopped attending church in the past 25 years. Okay, 40 million. And, and they said in that, that's a, a, about 12% of the population of the United States. Okay, and that's just in the past 25 years. Now, they also said that's the largest shift in American history. I don't know if that's a percentage shift or actual number shift. I don't know. It didn't say. But interestingly, in the article, what it talked about was there, it wasn't an evaporation of interest in spiritual things. It's not that people aren't spiritual anymore or that people don't care about spirituality or the idea of God or any of that. It said as they were doing this research and study, that's not what was going on. 
It wasn't that they're like, oh, well, we just don't care about that. We live in a new era that there is no God. There is no spirituality. We're not all atheists and agnostics. That's not the issue. The issue, what it describes, was a replacement of church. A replacement of church and the spiritual community with work and individual material success. It said before, years ago, people made it a priority to work on their spiritual life. And because of that, they wanted to be involved in a spiritual community. So they went to church. But now, with the way that our priorities have kind of changed as a culture, now what's happening is people are like, you know what really matters is my career and work and making money and getting things. And so I don't have time to set aside a Sunday morning or some other time throughout the week to worry about my spiritual stuff. It's going to be there, but I'm just going to step out of that so I can do more work. I can get more things done. I can make more money. I can advance in my career. Because if all those other people are going to church, that just gives me an opportunity to take advantage of that I can, you know, get myself farther ahead. That's what it was describing in this. Quoting uh, Jake Meter, one of the authors involved in all this, he says this. He says, contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutuality, care, or common life. Rather, it's designed to maximize individual accomplishment as defined by professional and financial success. You see what he's saying there? He says, we don't have time for other people. We don't have time for the things of the Spirit. We don't have time for all that. What we have time for is getting ahead. And this is how we do it. And the the author of the article goes on to point out that this worship of personal success, because it's really what's happened, we've replaced worshiping God with personal success. Here's the hard part. In all of this and in, in interviewing these people of why they've left and how they're feeling about it, the sad part is this. They said, we're going to devote everything to that. We're going to throw ourselves into this. But what has happened is it's failed to satisfy all their deepest longings. So what happens is you've got all these people that say, that must be the path. That must be the path. I've got to go this way. And I'm going to chase after this. I'm going to pursue these things. And then they get there. And then they realize, oh, I thought that was going to do it for me. And it didn't. Now what? And they're disconnected and apart from all these other things. They don't know what to do about it. Um, They they said uh, in this, uh, the, the author also said, she said, many Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, anxious, and uncertain of how to live in community with other people. It's a hard place that we're at. But the fascinating thing about all that, and I'm sorry to be doom and gloom with you um, to start off here today, but the fascinating thing is that Jesus came and taught us a way to spiritual wholeness and fulfillment, one that has lasted the test of time. The same things that Jesus said then, 2,000 years ago when he walked this earth, still apply today and still result in the sort of spiritual health and spiritual life that we're called toward. And the example that he left us is really the antidote to this poison that has caused so many people to fall into despair. And what he does is he calls us to follow him and to follow his way of life, to become disciples and to make disciples. And the whole spiritual growth process that we're talking about in these weeks, is that's all it is. It's the discipleship process. It's how do you become a disciple? We've heard this. If you're church people, you've heard this. That Jesus said, go and make disciples. 
But how is it that we do that? That's what, we're, that's what we're trying to study and trying to understand a little bit. How do we actually do it? Because as we become like our teacher Jesus, we grow spiritually and we find that wholeness and that fulfillment that we're looking for. And that's what we're trying to clarify. And so I told you last week, the pathway that we're looking at has three big components. Okay, three big things. And, and last week, we explored the very first one. And what I told you is, one of the first things that we do on our path to discipleship is we gather. We come together as the people of God. You're doing it right now. You're already on the right path, guys. You've gathered together to worship God. And when we gather together, one of the things that we're doing is we are loving God. We're worshiping God. All right? That's, that's what we're doing. And that synergy of humanity and, and, and divinity together, in that, we're changed and we find our fit within the body of Christ. I told you the title of the message last week was Gathering Matters. It really does matter. It affects you. It is that action of loving God. There's so much more going on when a group of Christians gather together to worship than just a crowd coming together. And that action impacts us spiritually. If you didn't get to hear that last week, you can go back and listen to the podcast and you'll get it. And so today we're going to look at the second part of our process. I, yes, I may have even told you this last week. I don't remember. I was hoping to hit number two and number three, but I didn't feel like I'd do them justice. So we'll start Acts on August 20th. Uh, but the second part that we're going to look at here today, um, we're going to uncover that by looking at a few verses from the Apostle John. So as I told you at the beginning, if you're in John chapter 13, that's where we're going to start. And John was one of the 12 apostles that Jesus had called. He's also sometimes, um, he refers to himself in his gospel as the one that Jesus really loved. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I was, Jesus loved me, and I know that. And so he calls himself the, the apostle that Jesus loved a lot of times. Um, but here, um, the, these first two verses that we're going to look at, are, is, is John, when he's writing down the gospel, uh, writing down what he remembers that Jesus said. Okay, and so in John 13, 34, this is Jesus speaking, and here's what he says. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. All right, and later in the same gospel, in John 15, if you're in your Bible, turn over a couple pages. John 15, verse 12, Jesus said this. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then later in time, um, as, as John um, became an old man, and we know that the Apostle John was the last of the disciples to die and lived a, a good long life. Um, and in the end of his life, when he was an old grandpa, he wrote three other little letters that we have in the Bible, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st John, here's what Grandpa John has to say to us. He says in 1st John 3.11, it says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And down in verse 16, he says, And by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 
Little children. That's why he's calling us little because he was the old man. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. So when we gather together, we're loving God. How is it, then, that we are to be loving one another? All right? That's what we're looking at here. Because Jesus, uh, he clearly left us uh, examples to love those outside of the family of faith. Um, That's definitely the way Jesus operated. He loved people that were not believers, did not believe in him. But when he emphasizes this, and when he's talking to his apostles and his disciples and his followers, and when he says to them, you need to love one another, what he's specifically saying is, you need to love other believers, other Christians. These are the people that you've got to love because when people from the outside look in, that's what they see. They know you're a Christian because of your love for one another. Not just a generic love for all humanity, but a close, loving connection with others. And that relationship, that one anotherness, is at the center of the next piece of our path to spiritual health. If, if you've been around our church, even for a few weeks, you hear us talk about this all the time. You hear us, uh, John did it this morning, in announcing life groups, that talking about the importance of being able to connect with other people, to build these relationships, to build this community, to really know people. Um, we often refer to the family of faith, or we sometimes you might hear us talking to each other, calling each other brother and sister in Christ, right? These are all these relational, this relational language being described, talking about being close. Some of my very best friends are in this community, in this church group, in these people. And these connections, this is what I want you to understand today, these sort of connections are central to your spiritual growth. It's actually really important that you have these relationships. The way that we take that second step towards spiritual growth here at South Point is that we connect. We gather in our love of God, and we connect, and we love one another. All right? Now, let's talk about this loving one another thing for a minute. Because it sounds okay in theory. You hear the words of Jesus, you know, as recorded by John, and you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. We'll just love one another, and it'll all be good. I'll love you, and you'll love me, and we'll just be people of love. And we'll cruise around loving each other, right? And so it's so nice But it doesn't really take shape until you actually start having a one another to love. It's not just this this big idea, this this beautiful idea. What it is is it's actually other people, other humans. Um, And once you start shaping that up and visualizing who these people are uh, that are actual people, those that know you and that you know them, then you're starting to see what Jesus is talking about here. He directs us to a community of people that we're to dedicate ourselves to loving, to truly connecting with. 
It's the opposite of the isolation uh, that's found at the pull of our culture to just be on your own and the loneliness. And this is why we're so serious around here as a church of trying to get everyone to connect. This is why we're always telling you life groups are starting. We want you to be involved in this. We want you to connect. Because when you don't connect in that way to really have a one another, your spiritual health is damaged and your spiritual growth slows down. Because it's through these relationships that God often moves in power in our lives. The, this week at our house, we were having some, speaking of power, power issues, okay? And uh, SDG&E had to come out to the house because there was some transformer blown somewhere and they had fixed it and they came and told us, okay, yeah, we got it fixed and it's all fine. But the problem is, in three of the rooms in our house, none of the outlets worked, all right? And without making you all amateur electricians, um, I'll just explain to you a little bit the way that works. So we get power from the road, from SDG&E or whatever, and then it comes to your house in a, a breaker box, all right? A panel, an electrical panel. And inside that panel, there's all these little switches. They're called circuit breakers, all right? And what a circuit breaker does is it breaks the circuit, meaning power comes into your house, and if it's off, it stops right there. But if it's on, it goes on and goes feeds into your house, Okay, so there's this flow of power, this flow of energy that comes all the way from wherever they get their energy, Arizona probably, all the way through, and it comes across and it gets into your house. So you plug something into an outlet, and boom, you have power. All right, but if the circuit breakers aren't working properly, or if they're flipped off, there is no power, because the power, the circuit has been broken, all right? Um, I think that a lack of spiritual connection with other people, it, it's, it's like a spiritual circuit breaker. Because when you don't have that connection, you don't have that thing happening with other people, what you see a lot of times is that, that flow of power that is supposed to be coming into your life from other people, because God uses other people to minister to us. When that's not there, there's a lack of connection. There's a gap. There's something that's happening in your spiritual life that is missing, all right? And, and we have to have that flow uh, taking place. And there's a lot of reasons that that happens. There's a lot of reasons that our breaker gets flipped. Um, you know, sometimes it may be something that um, it's just busyness. You're just like, yeah, I used to have some friends at church. I used to, you know, be involved in a small group. I used to serve there or whatever, but I just got too busy. I got too many things going on. That may be what's happening with you. Um, it also happens this way a lot. Uh, I had a disagreement with so-and-so, and I don't really want to go back, and so it's kind of awkward when I'm around them, and so that kind of begins to erode the relationships. Um, or it's, it's sometimes an outside influence. Maybe it's other people from kind of your old life pulling you back into that life, and you end up spending more time with them or spending too much time with them on Saturday night, and, oh, I got home at 3, and I sure didn't want to get back up to go. You know, There's all these different things that can pull us in these different directions. But whatever the reason, over time, the relationships, the connections start to fade. We saw this firsthand in covid um, I don't know how much you guys know about this, but many people never returned to churches after COVID. We saw this firsthand even in our own church. There were, people, there were people that had actually been a part of our church, coming to our church faithfully every Sunday for years. And when COVID happened, they never came back to church. 
It wasn't just that they weren't coming back to our church. They just didn't go back to church, period. Why? Because that, that connections, those connections had been severed. And eventually they're like, it's kind of nice sleeping in on Sunday morning. Why do I need to go back? You know what? I'm doing okay. I'm making it. I don't need these relationships. I don't need these people. But guys, it's not true because connections with other Christians are essential to spiritual growth. One of the, the unique things about the way that God started uh, this church and called us to start this church almost seven years ago now was rooted in this experience. Um, several of us had built strong relationships in a small group. And it was from that foundation of love, of connections, um, that, that we were willing to kind of take this risk together and see what God might do. The primary way that we have set up here at South Point to experience this, for you to build those connections, is through our life groups. You knew I was going to say that. <laughs> That's the primary way that we do this here and experience this. Um, and I'm going to, most of you know this already, but I'm going to tell you anyway, um, give you a little definition of what these things are like and describe them to you a little bit. Life groups are small groups that meet in people's homes once a week, usually in like eight to ten week sessions. Our church isn't big, all right? I mean, you can look from one side of the room to the other. Uh, this isn't the small service. This is the service, right? You know, you've recognized most of these faces if you come here very often. Um, but even here, even with the number of people that we have here on a Sunday morning, it's not really possible to really get to know that many people on a deep level just in the time that we have here on a Sunday morning. It's just too limited. It, it's just the way it is. Um, at least not with just Sunday mornings alone. And to help uh, describe that a little bit, um, I want to invite somebody from our church up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things up a little bit. I want to invite Rich. You guys want to welcome him up here. Um, and I'm going to ask Rich. Come on. Come on, Rich. They're clapping for you. You've got to come now. I wanted to just ask Rich, who's, who's here part of our church, a, a couple questions so that you don't just think this is just Brett saying this. I, I've got somebody else to back me up here today. All right. So first off, tell us, how long have you been part of our church? I believe since. You got, you got him here, Austin? Now you're, now you're on. Now you're live. I think it's been uh, February. February of this year? Yes. Okay. February. So however many months that is. It's less than seven years or so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Cool. Um, and, and tell us, like, what are one or two things that kind of stood out to you when you first came here to the church um, that made you, made you come back, basically? Because did you know anybody at this church when you first showed up? No. no Nobody. Not, not a person. Apple Maps. And yep. Came to church. Okay. Uh, the thing that stood out, and the thing I was looking for was, like, just somebody, you know, recognize, you know, acknowledge you when you came in the door. Okay. So and friendly faces. A friendly face, uh -huh. a hello. Yep. And uh, one of the first ones I remember was Carrie. Huh. Yeah, she just, like, right up, just yeah. walked up to me and started talking. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's nice, uh -huh. you know, really nice. And then after you'd been here for a little while, you started hearing us talk about all these life groups and all these yes. things. And so then you decided, hey, I'm going to try, try this out. And yeah, you went to a life I, group. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was of the, like, the mindset, I'm going to do everything. You know, when I, when I come to church, I'm going to get involved and stuff like that. Yeah, actually, I remember that I think you came on a Sunday. We announced a school cleanup 
that um, was going to be like that Wednesday, right. and you showed up, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After your first Sunday, you'd been there. Okay, th- he's, he's a rare exception. This is okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember that, because you and I got to talk a bit yes. on that Wednesday, uh, three days after you met us as a church. Right. Okay. So then when the, the, the life group opportunity came up, you got involved in that and started coming to that and attending one of those. Tell us just a little bit of how the life group has encouraged your spiritual growth or your spiritual walk. How has it impacted you? Um, first of all, it's the, it's the highlight of my week. Hmm. It's like, I love going to life group. I always look forward to it. Even if I'm tired, hmm. you know, I'll just, Gotta go. I, I set my time aside, you know. Try not to make any plans for Friday night, but mm-hmm. I really love going. Um, just the friendships and getting to see people, mm-hmm. and you hear, you know, about things they're going through, and you get to share things. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing is is sharing things with yeah. people. You know your experiences and maybe uh, something you're going through. Yeah. You know, prayer for other uh, the other uh, before the last break friend of mine in Texas, uh, their, their uh, child was in the hospital mm-hmm. and we were able to pray for him. And he, he was out of the hospital since mm. then, you know, mm, but good. doing well. That's wonderful. Um, that's, helped, that's helped a lot. I, I just, I enjoy the fellowship and the encouragement that I get out of it. Um, and so you feel like it's kind of helped you kind of really yes. Yes. deepen those real relationships. Yeah. More connection with mm-hmm. people. It's not just a hi, see you next week kind of Wonderful. thing. Wonderful. You know. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Give him a hand, please. You can set that up there. That's good. Now, I, I wanted to, to bring Rich up here. And, and Rich, I do want to say, man, I, I, I'm so glad you're part of us and grateful for you, man, and grateful for what God's done in your life and continuing to do in your life. Um, and this is one of the ways, this is just a perfect example of somebody who's said, I'm going to come in, I'm going to connect, I'm going to meet some people, and I'm going to see what God does in it. And in a short, a re- relatively short amount of time, he's gotten to know people, and people have gotten to know him. And that's part of the way that this whole process um, is supposed to go. And, and as Rich said, you know, this was a place where coming to these life groups, it allowed him to let the relationships Sure, he'd start recognizing Carrie or other people that would be here at church on a Sunday. But once you start opening up your life and other people are opening up their lives, then you really can start getting to these deeper levels. These real relationships um, begin. They're not just friendly faces anymore. They actually become friends. Now, most churches today have small group ministries of some sort. Right? And if you've been to other churches, you've seen it. There's lots of different ways to do this. Some of them will have a Sunday school class before the service or after the service on a Sunday morning. Others have like affinity-based groups like a, a, a mountain bike group or um, life stage groups like uh, moms of preschoolers. So there's, there's those kinds of things. Some are Bible study groups where that's what they're focused on. Others are prayer groups. Others are evangelistic outreach opportunity groups. There's lots of different ways of doing it, and they're all valid ways of doing it. I'm not, I'm not um, knocking any of those ways. But with our life groups, what happens is we gather together and we discuss the previous Sunday morning's message. All right? And we have a, a life group leader and a host. Preferably, they're not the same person, but sometimes that's where we're at. Um, and, and uh, we try to be as consistent as possible. We try to meet in the same time, at the same place, um, every week. Because that's really critical for people to build habits. And the leader just facilitates this conversation. 
And he talks about the, what, what we discussed here in the message on Sunday morning. So what happens is you hear a message on Sunday morning, you start thinking about that, you're applying it to your life, you're processing it through the week, then you come together with other people who've been doing the same thing, and you talk about how that worked in your life. You talk about how it's changed you, how it's impacting you. All right? But here's the thing. That's just the jumping off point. That's actually not the main thing that we're hoping to happen in a life group. That's just the jumping off point for you to begin opening up what's happening in your life through it, okay? That's how it's supposed to go. It's, it's when you begin to share your life and share into the lives of others. That's why we call it life group. It's we're learning to live life together. And if you think that that sounds a little risky, because especially in a culture where we're isolated and you're like, I don't want people to know me and I don't want to know people. If you think it's risky to get together and start pouring out your heart and life, it is. It is. It, it absolutely is. Getting that close to people is, is uh, it requires vulnerability. It takes time um, and it takes trust. I usually tell people, I think it takes two or three full sessions of going to the same life group to even start to really get to know people. And that's like almost a year probably of time. It takes time to do this. It's not always easy because real life isn't easy. It's messy. There's pain and there's struggle in life, but there's also joys and victories. And all those things come to the surface when we're connecting at that level. But what I need you to understand is that this is one of the primary ways that God shapes us and grows us in our faith. It's one of the main ways. And I think it's one of the, the, the things that in the American church especially, that's been forgotten. And so for a lot of people, they don't realize how important this piece actually is. They don't know it. It doesn't matter if you listen to the greatest preachers in the world with the greatest messages ever. It doesn't matter if you've spent countless hours studying your Bible or, or being in prayer because if you don't have real relationships with other Christians your spiritual growth will slow. It just will. Because God uses other people to shape us and sharpen us. Sometimes it hurts, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it's needed, it's part of his plan. Now, we're almost done here, guys. Hang with me. I, I really do hope that you hear what I'm saying. Um, because when I tell somebody, hey, this is, this is important for spiritual growth, a lot of people are just like, eh, I'm doing Okay. Or if I say to you, this is an important part of the discipleship process, you're like, eh, I've made it this far. Um, but listen, because connecting in this way, authentic community, it really has the power to transform your life. Too many Christians are willing to just get by. Too, mil too many people are just kind of trying to get by at the minimum level and they're not experiencing what God wants us to live like. He wants us to have an abundant life, an overflowing life. He wants you to thrive. And don't you want that for yourselves? I know you do. If you look at your spiritual life, you're like, yeah, I want it to be rich and full. And because we think these life groups are so important in this, we try to protect the time that we have set aside for life groups. You may notice that other than Sunday morning service, the only weekly thing that we want to do at this church is life group. I, I have this guy who, who calls periodically. I think I've talked to him at least three times, if not four times, spread out over the past seven years. He's looking for 
he's told me very clearly. He goes to a different church. He, he likes his church. He's going to stay at his church. But what he's looking for is, I need a Bible study for men that meets in the morning during the week. Do you have that? And I, I tell him every time, no, that's, that's not what we do. Well, you need to have one of those. It should be weekly, and you need to have this. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that, sir. Um, we're not going to be starting one of these <laughs> this week. The, the, the thing that we want to do weekly is we want to do life groups. We want people to be here um, doing this, involved in this. I told you last week, the Sunday morning service, um, that Sunday morning gathering is the front door to our church. This is where we invite guests and we try to welcome with love all who would come. The life groups are our living room, right? That's where, for the people that are connected, the people that are part of this church, that's the next step, uh, that you'd commit to that. For anyone who wants to lead in this church, being part of a life group is a necessity. It's so critical to what we do and how we do it. It's that important. So if you're new to the church, I'd encourage you to commit to gather. Do what you're doing. Come to Sunday mornings. Um, and, and if this is where God wants to plant you, then the next step would be to commit to connect to a life group. All right, I'm going to finish with just this one more verse out of the Gospel of John. This is Jesus again. And this is what Jesus said in John 17, to 23. He said, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, talking about his followers, that they may be one, even as we are one. Do you hear this connection language? I want them to be one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. We become one with each other as we connect. It's that critical. It's that important. And that foundation will then lead us to the third and final part of our pathway, which we will learn about next week. All right? Pray with me here today. God, um, I do thank you, Lord, that you have given us a path to follow. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you didn't leave us to just kind of wander and figure out how it's all supposed to happen. But instead, that um, you called us and gave us certain commandments for us to understand. And from those, those acts of obedience, Lord, we begin to grow spiritually. And we begin to live as you've called us to live. And so today, Lord, as we've, we've talked about what it means to love one another and how we do that, as we see that it's, in order to truly love one another, we need to be connected to one another. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would help us prioritize our lives in a way um, that, that would enable that very thing. Or do we truly do want to be connected to you, uh, as you tell us also in the book of John, to, to abide in you and that you would abide in us. And that through that, as we're connected to you, the vine, that we would bear much fruit. But in the same way, Lord, you've called us to connect to others and to build deep relationships with others because you use us, Lord, to minister to one another. And so, God, as we, um, as we ponder that this week, as we think about this, as we talk about, um, you know, maybe with our, our family members or with our friends, as we talk about what that would look like in our lives, I pray, God, that you would continue to encourage connection among us as a church. We don't want to simply be recognized or recognize people. We want to live life together. 
And that can only happen when we make it a priority. So help us, Lord. Help us step in to this way. And I, I also, Lord, want to pray today for maybe those that um, they are, 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 they've heard this before, they've thought about it before, um, but it's just hard or um, inconvenient. Um, there's, there's lots of good reasons why they can't do this and, and wouldn't want to do this. But Lord, I just pray that you'd help them see the need and the importance uh, of them uh, in their lives and provide opportunities and provide a way. Allow them to figure out how to reschedule or to do things differently or maybe even make some hard decisions to prioritize this kind of thing above some of the other things that have really made their way to the top of the priority list. And I know that's hard, Lord, um, but I just pray that you would challenge them in the way that they need to be challenged, wherever they're at, that you would meet them and encourage them and bless them. And we thank you for this time today, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.